Blog Talk Radio. joining us again today. Today, on the eve of the holidays, uh, we have the great, great privilege of interviewing uh, the futurist, visionary, uh, holistic thinker, Barbara Marks Hubbard, on her 85th birthday. This is really a wonderful moment in time in the evolutionary of consciousness on this planet, in fact. Uh, Those of you who listen to A Better World with any kind of frequency know that we've had Barbara on as a guest a number of times over the years, A Better World TV, going back to, wow, around 2010. And uh, in 2012, she was a, a panelist with Ralph Nader with representative at the time, Dennis Kucinich, and presidential candidate, Rocky Anderson, in an enlightened progressive politics roundtable that I held back then as uh, Rocky Anderson was gearing up for running for president of the United States and the Justice Party. Uh, Many of you know Barbara Marks Hubbard. She has been around uh, in in the circles regarding consciousness, and conscious evolution for for decades. Barbara has been called the voice for conscious evolution of our time by Deepak Chopra and is the subject of Neil Donald Walsh's book, The Mother of Invention. She herself is a prolific author of some seven books, visionary social mod- uh, innovator and educator. She is also the founder of the Foundation for Conscious Evolution. Its purpose and that will also be of today's show, is to accelerate our conscious evolution. There's a lot that can be said about Barbara. She is also uh, an award-winning producer of the documentary series entitled Humanity Ascending, A New Way Through Together. She is a global ambassador for the conscious evolution movement and has traveled really the world to get this message across. Most recently, she has partnered with, over the last uh, couple of years, that is, with the Shift Network and Stephen Dynan to form a team to co-produce a worldwide media event entitled Birth 2012, co-creating a planetary shift in time that was, in fact, held on December 22, 2012. Well, here we are two years thereafter and speaking with Barbara about where we stand now 
as a species that is in a poised position for its next steps of development. Barbara, welcome to the show. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so very much for the work that you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. And it's always been a pleasure to engage you uh, on the airwaves of A Better World to talk about things that are really very near and dear to both of our hearts and really, I would dare say, to the heart of humanity. I want to ask you, Barbara, and first of all, let me start. Happy birthday. This is a <laughs> seminal year. 85. It actually is. <laughs> Isn't it? And I know you're yes. celebrating in Chicago with your family and friends. It's wonderful. Yes. It's going well, huh? Yes, there, it is. And there's going to be a big birthday call at on Shift Network at 5.30 p.m. Pacific. Pacific, exactly. Where are you calling from? Well, I'm in New York. So it would be, be 8.30 New York time, exactly. And yeah. uh, those of you who receive our newsletter, um, it's all been described about how to get onto the, chef, the Shift Network call in our newsletter or simply go to abetterworld.tv and it is listed there. And I forwarded the newsletter, Barbara, to Stephen uh, dining this afternoon. So uh, thank you. we could let people know, absolutely. But, oh, thank you so much. Sure. It will be a blowout celebration. So <laughs> if you're anywhere near your computer or phone, certainly you should uh, join in. It's, it will be spectacular. So, Barbara, let me ask you. I, I look around. I do a lot of contemplation and reflection on the nature of uh, our species, of our planet, of our universe, really, as a as a routine aspect of my own personal life, and uh, personal, I should say, and transpersonal. And when I look around at the current situation we, we are facing here on Earth, and since I look at things from an ev- evolutionary and brain development, emotional, psycho-emotional developmental point of view, um, I see that, as I believe most do, that what we're operating out of currently is not the highest aspects of of the human psyche, of the human heart, the human soul. Uh, we see a world that is really rife with fear, with control issues, with greed, with power, with uh, a um, tendency toward, if not an obsession with, acquisition, with materialism, with consumerism. And yet, you and I and many of our colleagues feel and, and know deeply that this is but a phase. This is a phase, of course, that we've been in for some time. It's actually not new. We can even look historically and say that many of the issues we're dealing with today, uh, humanity has really been dealing with, with all the different empires throughout the last few thousand years. I'm wondering what you see when you look at this and then look into our future, what you see shifting and when. Well, this is my favorite question. Uh, And I have in the last even few days, maybe because it's my 85th birthday coming up, have recognized a very important observation that gives me a sense of what to do and the mission that most of us are on. The situation, as you say, is a crisis that could destroy our environment and our life support system. 
<clears throat> which we misuse our power, but also could evolve ourselves as human species if we use our new creativity and our power for the good. So I am able to understand is that if right now we were to be able to scan the planet for the number of human beings who are emerging or shifting toward what I'm calling homo co-creator, a type of human that's coming out of homo sapiens sapiens, Mm -hmm. a type of human who is attuned to the creative process within, who is activated by deeper life purpose, who is yearning to love more, give more, create more, to restore the earth and free ourselves from our behavior patterns. This type of human is already shifting. Mm -hmm. And there are enough of us on earth right now. There are enough of innovations, creative solutions, and in every field like health, education, energy, science, technology, if connected, would reveal to us that there is already a new world in our midst. And that the mission that I have dedicated myself to and asked everyone to join with us on is a mission, first of all, communicating the new story of evolution, a story of moving to higher consciousness, greater freedom, and more complex order, a story of our becoming conscious of evolution and consciously capable of affecting evolution. This is the step of the co-creative human. Then the second step is the new person. Who is a co-creator? This is maybe as much a different eventually as Homo sapiens sapiens was from Neanderthal. And that when I got started, Mitchell, I never met anybody like me. <laughs> and I, the first person who ever recognized me was, was Joan Salk, and I was telling him, Dr. Jonas Salk, I yes. said, you know, there's all wrong with me. I'm attracted to the future. I want to participate. Something more is happening. This was considered by a Freudian analyst as neurotic. Mm-hmm. He said, you're not neurotic. You're a mutant. A mutant is an evolutionary. A mutant is someone who is emerging. Yes. I realized, oh, my God, this neuroses is actually the impulse of evolution within me being, being misunderstood as neurotic. And then I read Teilhard de Chardin and I saw evolution has a direction of higher consciousness, more complex order. And then I read Buckminster Fuller and I heard that we had technology resources know how to make it work. Okay, who knows all this? The co-creators know this is true. Now the second, third part of this is what is a co-creative society? And here is a simple answer. Nature takes jumps to creating whole systems greater than the sum of our parts, single cells, multi-cells, all the way on up. Social synergy is the way of the change. That means looking for common goals and connecting resources and needs across sectors, across health, education, economics. I call it a wheel of co-creation, symbolically, visually. It's every sector of human endeavor connected as a whole system 
with innovations and solutions in every field connected and visually and experientially and in a way of cooperation showing and revealing in every town, every country, across the globe what's working. And I've set myself, I'm 85 years old, and this is really fun, mm-hmm. that in the next five years, so this would be by 2020, and I just will happen to be 90, mm-hmm. that we will have connected enough co-creators to co-create what's working in the world as a visual expression of our planetary potential. And once we catch hold of that, once we see we can restore the earth, we can free ourselves from these deficiencies, and more than that, we can explore the inner resources of the human spirit and outer capacities of humanity as a universal species in a universe of billions and billions of other planets and other life undoubtedly connected to us. When we wake up, we are being born. I am now absolutely dedicated to getting this message and to becoming a communicator and a team builder of everybody on earth who would share this vision. And I would say we can shift the tide by connecting what's creative. Wow, I love that vision. And you feel that that could be done literally by uh, the end of five years from this conversation? I do. I do. And the reason is that the planet has grown a new nervous system. Yes. (laughs) Facebook is the third largest nation in the world. We have over 5 billion cell phones. And if you look at Time Magazine this week, there's Mark Zuckerberg. He's made a, a declaration that he he will, he, with, with his company, will get every single human being on Earth online. <laughs> wow. I mean everyone. Yeah. You have to read Time Magazine this week. Yeah. And, and what he says, he's got this huge plan. This is nations, you know, countries, little villages, people who have never possibly communicated beyond their own village, everybody online. Hmm. Now, let's just, why, why would he be doing that? Whatever Mark Zuckerberg is up to, the planet is going to be connected. And we have a completely new nervous system being born right now out of these high-tech geniuses. And it's, it's, it's uh, going to give all of the co-creative type of humans, and let's say we're in every culture, every race, every religion, every size, shape, every sexual persuasion. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't care whether you're homosexual or heterosexual. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't make one damn bit of difference. Right. If you're a co-creator, right. and we, and I said to myself, I woke up this morning, and I, they, I had a wonderful birthday party last uh-huh. night, and and yes. so something happened inside me, Mitchell. I would say it was a shift from being a communicator to becoming a co-creative leader for what I consider to be the most vital act possible now on planet Earth, which is to connect the co-creators of this world and and to identify what's working to get a vision of our potential as humanity. Yes. Wow. That is the that mission. Is, uh, quite a vision. 
and uh, yeah. Revelation and Epiphany, Barbara. You know, all probably wrapped up in one as a beautiful birthday present from the universe. That's it, what it, I it see. Was, <laughs> it was a present for me from the yeah. universe because yeah. and if you, if, when you feel this, and let's say, for example, you might feel this. Yeah. If you do, then there's a little tiny inner click where the life purpose that you already have and are already giving your life to becomes a mission joined with others as one collective. You know, it's like John F. Kennedy, he said, put a man on the moon and bring him back in this decade. He had to say in this decade. I was told if he had said, let's do it sometime, (laughs) nothing would have happened. Right. It doesn't have the power. I think only because I'm 85 <clears throat> and because it's kind of nice 2020. Yes. We'll have 2020 vision by 2020. Yes. Now, 2020 vision would mean see clearly what's potential. Yes. I swear to God, see, not only see, but connect and co-create with what's already arising. And to invite a mission to form of everyone who is already attracted. Yes. Yes. You know, instead of saying what is going wrong, which God knows is obviously terrible. Yes. But God also knows, (laughs) I may say speak for God, is what's already emergent. Right, right. And if you have an evolutionary perspective and you see for billions and billions of years, nature has been taking jumps to higher complexity and higher consciousness, and you realize we're in one of those jumps. The only difference is we are conscious that we're in it, and you might say from a a sort of traditional religious language, God put freedom in the system. Uh Uh, The human race has freedom to destroy the whole damn thing. But I don't think we're going to do that because there are too many millions of us already awakening. So in a sense, you could say that it does not take the entirety of humanity to have this evolutionary impulse, even though I believe and I know you believe that it is inherently psychobiologically in our DNA to feel it, right. but most people may not feel it even in a lifetime. So let's be let that be. But I'm of course thinking about uh, the great quote of Margaret Mead, who said, "Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has." And I'm quoting her here because it doesn't need everyone. It needs that small group of committed citizens who are evolutionarily minded and who know that we need to take this leap into the creation of a harmonious, sustainable, uh, love-based, compassion-based kind of society, and that will be enough to actually flip it. Okay, that, and I want to add one more thought to what you just said, because it is perhaps right now a small group. But think of it this way. Imagine what happens between Neanderthal and Homo sapiens. A species emerged that was new, Mm -hmm. and it had self-reflective consciousness that was different, but probably not terribly 
noticeable in the Neanderthal world to begin with. Right. And then, of course, this amazing species for 50,000 years, you know, our species, was able to learn the whole thing and bring us to this level of power and potential destruction. I believe that out of Homo sapiens sapiens, there has been emerging Homo co-creator. I think this type emerged in all the great mystic traditions and started the great religions of the world. I think Jesus was personally a tremendous evolutionary, maybe the greatest of all times, because he said, you will do the works that I do and greater works than you do. And greater works. And And St. Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed. I'm coming out with a book on the evolutionary testament, looking at Jesus with evolutionary eyes. Mm. I swear to God, Mitch, it's true we are all being changed. This is true. And and so what I'm making a really kind of bold uh, intuition that an emerging human is being born, yes. not just a small group of dedicated people, but if you could just imagine a kind of a rising, instead of there was a rising a Homo sapiens sapiens in the Neanderthal world, there's an arising Homo co-creator in the self-centered world. And we are scattered everywhere. We're not self-identified. We are not a religion. We don't have a leader. It's not like, you know, here comes, uh, you know, Napoleon. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or here comes Genghis Khan, or here comes John F. Kennedy even. No, it's more subtle than that. Or here, or... Here comes the Messiah. In fact, since you're speaking in, you know, sort of religio type of lingo here, I I would really bring up this, Barbara, that actually when I was 21, and because I was born Jewish but knew little about my own background because we weren't Mm -hmm. very practicing, uh, I decided that it was high time that I took a look at the Old Testament. And as I began reading... Um, I, I didn't particularly care for it that much, quite honestly, and I realized I need to learn Gematria and Kabbalah in order to really understand it. Yeah. But I had a revelation, and the revelation was that this notion of Messiah, I took it as an archetype, and I realized that the Messiah is not some kind of, you know, white man with a beard of any sort, this old-fashioned godly image, but rather... The Messiah is actually us. It's the collective awakening of humanity. And I got that back then. And I was actually straight. (laughs) (laughs) You're so right. The collective Messiah. And that's exactly, by the way, what Jesus told us. You know, you're, it, it, he just said, you know, I'm your friend. Yes, right. <laughs> he was trying to, trying to tell us that he met all of us. Yes. And he was not Christian or Jewish, for that matter. I mean, who, who could put, I don't think you could well, not put limited, labels. Not limited to, exactly. No, he, he, I mean, look, I come from a Jewish background, but my father was agnostic. Yes. So he, when I said... I said to my father, what religion are we? He said, you're an American. Do your best. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, you know what? I'm doing my best. You are doing your best. You are doing your best. But this is this is an important piece, and I want to bring something forward here. Uh, I... 
I'm very um, kind of familiar with the work of Paul Hawken, who wrote Blessed yes. Unrest, and yeah. the work of Gene Houston, who is just one of the other large, big thinkers that has been on the ground working as a consultant for the UN for decades now, helping to develop leadership programs in all of the developing countries in the world. Paul right. Hawken cites uh, I think in the time of the publishing of that book, a couple of hundred thousand organizations, NGOs, social enterprise companies, businesses, individuals on the ground, nonprofits that are working assiduously, diligently at building grassroots, sustainable communities and wakefulness and, and partnerships that are essentially co-creative in nature, and I will say that they are operating out of that deep impulse that you're referring to. That's right. They are. They're, you know, and they're, see, the thing is, I am noticing what's happening. Yes. I, I am not making this up, nor is this a small group of people. No, exactly. <laughs> And but noticing it, and here's question. This is a real question I ask you. Yes. <clears throat> I woke up with this yesterday morning, which is because the Foundation for Conscious Evolution has given itself to this overall mission for all these years. I just want to tell you how I broke it down. There are Please. three great elements of the movement. Yes. One is the new story of creation. And I would say that's the 13.8 billion year story of evolution. Yes. Seen as an incredibly mysterious, divine process of creation of beings of ever higher consciousness, greater freedom, more complex order, and making this human species conscious of itself. Yeah. Good Lord. That's number one. That's one number story, two, yeah. Please go That's on. That's all one story. I don't right. care where we come from. Exactly. The second uh, part of this is the new person. And the new person has quite a few names that have been given to it, like Homo um, Humanity, Homo Gnostic, Homo Progressivist. I just chose Homo Co Creator. Sure. But there's or many different Homo names. Universalis. I believe. At Homo Universalis, when it becomes actually clearly a universal species. Yes. But currently, most obvious for me, at least as a name, is creator. Yes. Because it means you're creating with the creative tendency of the universe. You can be religious or non-religious, but there's no doubt the universe is created. No yes. doubt. That's right. And you can't avoid that. So the new person is sensitive to what's emerging. It's just a sensitivity like a mathematical ear or a musical ear. It's an ear to the emergence inside yourself. It's it's that desire to express, to give, to love. And when you have that, you have to find some others to work with or you go crazy. You really do. You have to. So this type of homo co-creator, let's assume for the moment this is like Mother Earth is giving birth to an emergent human yes. Yes. who is able to co-evolve with nature, able to co-create with spirit. And let's assume that the new person goes along with the new story. 
is conscious that they're participating in the story of creation. And then the third piece of this is the new society. So the new story, the new person, the new society, we can name it a co-creative society. It would be one in which people are connecting to create in all these millions of organizations. And then beyond that, I would like to offer the wheel of co-creation as a symbol that in every field and every section, all the people who are already doing these things would make, place themselves on the map of creation. You see, Paul Hawkins made the list. I would like to see if we can make it into a whole system model. Yes. And I would like to see if we can cultivate looking for common goals and matching needs with other people's resources. We did 25 conferences called Synergistic Convergence for that. And what I've learned from studying dissipative structures and nature evolves from disorder to higher order, from entropy to syntropy, is through connecting that which is creative. When the system breaks down, there is a tendency for innovations to connect and self-transcend. That's what we need to do socially. That's why no ordinary political move can work because it's competitive by nature. That's right. It's the, it, you know, a, a democracy itself is stalled yeah. because it's it's competitive and controlled by, by by money, and it can't do it. You can see it in, demo, yeah. in American democracy. Oh, it's, it's completely stalled. Failed. It's completely it's failed. Yeah. Even worse than stalled, it failed. We are it's speaking. Failed. We are speaking with Barbara Marks Hubbard, uh, internationally renowned futurist, thinker, activist, author teacher and on her 85th birthday and uh, <laughs> to celebrate we that's what we're doing in a better world today we're celebrating barbara marks Hubbard, and so is the shift network so uh please go to our website abetterworld.tv you will see all the information to tune into a free uh celebration uh this evening if uh, you're on the west on the east coast and it's barbara at what time um, it will be uh, 8.30 five, on the East Coast time and 5.30 five in California time, Pacific. Exactly. And yeah. uh, if you don't get our newsletter yet, please go to abetterworld.tv. It's our free newsletter announcing the uh, TV show every week on Mondays at 7, our radio show, Progressive Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin, as well as this our classic A Better World Radio. So, Barbara, again, it's such a pleasure to have you on and talking about these very high-minded, big-hearted, and spiritually evolving topics because it's of such importance for people to get... You know, I always say, I I learned this a little bit from uh, Terrence McKenna, he said, if you ever feel that you are old, take a look for a moment and ponder geological time. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes I yes. always love that And it really gives us all a scope I mean, we live in the world of a, of a 10 second sound bite So people's attention is like a little bit of a gnat You know, and so <laughs> I feel like we have to sort of deprogram ourselves From a heavy programming that has been laid upon us And pull out and reconnect to the rhythms of nature and the rhythms of love and compassion and the larger picture, which you so um, really eloquently describe. And when we get into that perspective of looking at us 
from the 13.5 billion year history of Neanderthal becoming Homo sapiens, it gives us another perspective on all that's happening. I got to admit, though, knowing what brilliance we have on the planet today and have had for some time, and not just mental brilliance, but also emotional heart intelligence yes it's really been around for a long time i i gotta just be honest and say i feel a profound level of disappointment that we have not gotten sort of into the rhythm of a more collective socially awake movement to shift us uh before the current moment well, you know what I, what I think? This is like a crisis of birth. I think it's a difficult birth. Yes. I think whatever it is that's been... Here, here's my, my analysis of the problem in humanity. We have an exaggerated illusion of separateness. Yes. In our well, nervous systems, separate from nature, separate from animals, separate from each other, separate from spirit... That it's like a nervous defect, yes. And we so easily fall into separation. Whereas the the so that's that's what has stalled that's and slowed yeah. this planetary crisis. However, the Homo co-creator type <clears throat> does not suffer at least so acutely from the illusion of separateness. It's not that we are perfectly attuned to everything and everyone. But there is a tendency in us not to want to feel separate. You know, Charles Eisenstein calls it the shift from the story of separation to the story of interbeing. Yes. And and there's a story of interbeing going on here among homo co-creator. And since Mother Earth gave birth to life, she was a rock, you know, Mother Earth. She was a rock. <laughs> and then out of the rock came these bacteria. She turned into life, yeah. and on and on and on. And now, she, why would she be stopping with Homo sapiens sapiens? Well, my my interpretation is she's not stopping. She's now got Homo co-creator everywhere. Yes, indeed. And, and let's let's issue a call for this year. Mitchell, please join me in calling to every human being who feels attracted to co-create with others, yes. who wants to be part of a mission to restore the earth, free the people, explore the universe, mm. to join in a new sense of communion and put ourselves on Internet through all these different shows and things like yours yes. until we can connect the connectors. Yes. And let's set ourselves a five-year goal that we are going to wake up the 2020 vision of what's emerging in humanity. Mm, that is beautiful. I really think that's the way to think, Barbara, really. Uh, it's, the way, it's the way the brain actually works when it has a, a point in time, which is purely imaginary anyway, but that yes. our energy field starts to build towards the fulfillment and the completion of a project by a given date. And I'm reminded, and you know this, to, we both know this to be true. I'm thinking back a couple of decades, frankly, when uh, Werner Erhard and Lynn Twist, among others, decided to form something called the Hunger Project. 
And exactly. I think, right? And back in the early 70s, I believe it was, they made a commitment to end world hunger by the year 2000. Now, yes. that was completely audacious, completely yes. outrageous, and completely beautiful. And so, yeah, it, it was. It was. I just saw them the other day. They're yes. going in that direction, too, because they That's made a commitment. So if we say by 2020, we'll have 2020 vision. Exactly. And we'll see what's arising on Earth. Well, maybe it'll be 2025. But That's right. See, That's secondary. Let's go for it. That's right. Let's go That's for it, folks. We don't go for it. It won't happen. And in fact, today, as a result of what that that group of committed citizens did, Lynn, Werner, others, uh, the uh, issue of hunger by the year 2000 was significantly diminished. A lot right. more people were eating. A lot more people were educated. A lot more people were conscious of the issue. So did they succeed? You betcha as we say in presidential so, um, right? We're going to look for every... We're, I'm in Chicago now. Now, here's a really fun idea. Yes. Is, uh, we had a celebration last night, and the idea yeah. came up to find out what works in Chicago. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Now, Chicago. So we're going to go see Mayor... Uh, Manu, uh, uh, what's his name? Emmanuel. Um, oh, Ra- yes. Ma- um, right. Exactly. Uh, Ra- Rahm Emanuel. Rahm Emanuel. And say... Wouldn't you like to help us celebrate what's working in Chicago? Yes. And you can't imagine how excited the friend I was with said, well, of course, we, we could make a tour of Chicago. And every where we go, <laughs> we could be asking people what's working. Yes, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, then somebody was from Illinois. I said, well, what about Illinois? So I said, well, yep. if they do it in Chicago, you can put it in Illinois. Yeah, well, what about the Midwest? Find, what about the Midwest? What, you know, what about finding out what's working in New York? The for God's sake. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it, I can't think of a better thing to be doing. That's right. That's right. If well, you want to be another, celebrating. There's a very interesting other psychological and physiological aspect to everything that you are putting out right now, Barbara, which is that the brain works with affirmatives, not negatives. In fact, right. the, the brain can't even process a negative. It doesn't understand <laughs> it. I mean, we understand conceptually, but we can't metabolize it. So when you say what's working, it's X is working, Y is working, Z is working, and people are being kind to each other over here. People, more people are going to school with each other over there. These people are actually planting apples and trees and corn over there. You know what I mean? And, and that, that's something yes. that people can do, they can be engaged in, and then the brain starts to accord with and, and actually build a neural network and a map of what will become the future. But you know what? But this is all true, too. I know. As you said from the Paul Hawkins, the greatest mass movement in human history, and nobody saw it coming. Yes, well, I thought, exactly. I thought he saw it coming, you saw it coming, I see yes. it coming, sure. and now we want everybody to see it coming. That's right. That's right. I, I love it, Barbara. And you have been making such a wonderful contribution <laughs> to helping us align. I've got to say, for myself, being in the, you know, the financial capital of the world here in the Big Apple, 
and yes. watching things happen. Things happen in New York City in sound bites, you know. So um, it's it's a little difficult to remain part of the larger, you could say, geological rhythm of things, and oh, more connected <laughs> to the minute by minute and hour by hour. But what you're saying about the larger picture of human evolution and the need to tell a new story is so much what is needed and people like Dwayne Elgin both a friend of ours and uh yeah David there are lots of us who wrote the holy universe which is this magnificent and eloquent um nar- lyrical uh, poetic narrative of taking ancient wisdom and wedding it with the modern mind and finding a beautiful synergy between them uh you know this kind of thing is really boding well for our collective future. Right. And you know, crisis precedes transformation. Nature evolves through stress. That's what happens. So let's say really we've true. got exactly the degree of crisis needed to wake up humanity <laughs> yes. to become co-creators. That's what I'm saying yes, anyway. Exactly. And we don't need uh, more, folks. We don't need more. No, we've no. Got we've got enough. Right we don't need to worry about not having enough crises to wake up. Right, exactly. <laughs> Whatever it is, this is what's so. Yes. And I want you to join with me. As you're the first person I've talked to on, on, on this degree of outreach. Sure. To dedicate ourselves to the mission of all of us who are co-creative, desiring to connect to co-create, to get a vision by 2020 of what the human species is potentially doing now. Now. Yes. That's working. Barbara, consider me signed up. And a better world is on the side of the (laughs) conscious evolution of humanity. Bless your heart. Thank you so much. Barbara, thanks so much for joining me today on A Better World. (laughs) Happy birthday and have a wonderful celebration. And now you can count on me and A Better World to carry on this collective shared mission. Thank you so much. It was great to talk with you. Great to talk with you, too. Bye-bye. Happy birthday, and take care now. Bye-bye. We will be with you in a moment. Indeed, Barbara Marks Hubbard brings so much life and vitality to the party, doesn't she? And so much thoughtfulness, and I I very much appreciate it. She's got an inner center that really that just resonates and emanates intelligence, warmth, and compassion for our planet and all the species on it. And uh, that's the kind of person that here at A Better World we love to bring forward on our airwaves to our planet, to our species, and whoever else that wants to listen. Um, it's really... Uh, It's a form of genius as far as I'm concerned. And that kind of genius, I believe, is really truly embedded within us all. If you look at the origin of the word genius, you see that it has the word from which we also get the word generate and progenitive and genetic. It's true. And it's uh, where we begin That's where we get the word generator as well. All of it, that which creates, that which makes. And um, 
And that's where genius also originates. And it's just a question of lifting off the lid, the filters, the buffers that keep us from the wisdom of our own hearts. It is there. It has been covered. And it has gotten covered through, at this point, many generations of stories that many of which are really wonderful, uh, inspiring, awesome, uh, life-affirming, life-loving, and many are not. And today, with the intensity of our broadcast media, of all media, uh, we are inundated with stories that have a um, kind of a a personal interest attached to it or a corporate interest attached to it. But if you can see that we have, we're all being programmed by that kind of consumerist, materialist, self-interested kind of intent by so many, uh, you can thereby develop a separation from it. Uh, a lack, a loss of identity with it, a uh, detachment from it. And that frees up the mind, the heart, the spirit, and the body from that kind of form of enslavement and dumbing down. It's like we're all a bunch of brilliant beings, by definition, by the way, by genetic definition, and further enhanced by wise storytelling, the way Barbara was speaking about a new man, a new story, a new person, um, a new society. We are community builders by definition. That's what we do. That's how we have survived through the generations, by building communities, usually smaller ones. A family is a form of community. Then a larger extended family is another and then connect the dots to form something called a village and a town, and then a city, and then a society, and then a global village. We're back to the village model again. But, you know, each of them have a different, we have a different ability to kind of manage and connect with. But when you get back down to it, we are all part of a human species, which is a sense of village itself. It's a sense of community in itself. And then uh, we realize that we live in utter, complete connection, connectedness, with all other species and all other, as the Buddhists would say, um, sentient life. And one of the great principles, laws of the science of Buddhist psychology is the law of interdependence that no one of us lives without each other, and we do not live without the other aspects of the complete holistic ecosystem. So when you take all of this into account, I think Barbara's diagnosis is correct, and we will find that echoed, of course, by the brilliant uh, Course in Miracles, that our deepest woe, our deepest illness, is that of believing ourselves to be separate. And once we mentally separate ourselves out, we might also do emotionally and physically, but it's not true. It's actually not accurate. It's a form of egoic engagement rather than actual 
biological or, if I may say, spiritual fact. Just not. Not an evolutionary fact. The opposite is that we are all connected. And to me, one of the beautiful miracles of our mind, brain, creativity is that we can use our imagination, which I have oftentimes said is God's greatest gift to us all. Our imagination allows us to enter the morphogenetic field to, as we say in psychology and therapeutic theater, which I have been kind of leading groups in for decades at this point, stand in each other's shoes. And when we do that, we feel each other's heart. We can actually feel each other's heart beat. That's how deep and resonant the field can be. And when we do that, we realize that we do not want to hurt ourselves. And by hurting somebody else, we are actually hurting ourselves because there is a level of reality on which we are all truly one being. And science, physics, actually bears this out. And not just even quantum physics, although that truly does. But just physics in that we are all composed of molecules. And we are all composed of atoms. And atoms are all composed primarily of non-formal, what appears as empty, space. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You really hear that? Did I say empty space? That's us? Oh, wait a minute. Let's let's see if I hear this. Let's retune into the dial. Yeah, empty space. And actually, this is nothing new. Uh, physicists have known this for many decades. Bohr's, Einstein, everyone. That, in fact the atom uh, consists primarily of empty space. And what isn't empty space, apparently empty space, I call it actually intelligence of the highest sort, void intelligence, not devoid of intelligence, void intelligence. It is different. Uh, the behavior of what those things are we refer to as particles, which are awfully small, awfully small, the proton, the neutron, the electron, the subatomic particles, are most of the time actually waves. Not particles, but waves. So from that point of view, our being is primarily wave-like in nature. And you know what a wave looks like in an ocean. Well, it's all a bunch of <laughs> mini waves joining together to give the appearance of a larger wave. And in fact, that's what we are. We are a wave of humanity. We are a species, as Barbara beautifully said, coming alive, coming awake uh, into our co-creative spirit. And that co-creative spirit, by definition, suggests and implies the diminution of our sense of separateness. And the more we look at the subject, 
the more we can allow the separateness to dissolve, to diminish. That's very cool. We have conscious uh, control over what we think. Yes, thoughts come and go of all sorts from every corner of the universe. Granted, it's completely true. It's like a stream. It's a wave of thoughts that we did not originate but are in the space. And, this is a big and, we can then winnow, sift, sort, and then shift. First we sift, then we shift. How do you like that? Yes, we can then begin to choose those thoughts we want to activate, that we want to generate more of, a certain line of reasoning, a certain line of thought. And from that space, we can generate manifestation, mind over matter. It begins with a thought. It begins, as my old Tai Chi teacher used to say, Bob Loomish, everything begins with an idea, including our bodies, including, no doubt, life itself on this planet and everywhere else. Interesting, huh? It's an interesting idea. And since everything begins with an idea, and because our nervous system, our brain, smart as it is, cannot actually distinguish between what is imaginary, what is virtual, and what is what we refer to as real, we are living according to our ideas. Our body is responding. When you think love, your body responds in love. When you think compassion, your body begins to respond in compassion. From that point of view, the body is a reflector, a mirror of what it is that's going on in the mind. And since wonderful people like Dr. Joe Dispenza remind us that our body is responding to our mind all the time, that our thoughts uh, are actually kind of leading the body into their next moment of reality. It's really fun that there's no such thing uh, as vicarious. It's actual. When we watch a film that makes the impact on us, it's the hero's journey in the film that we are experiencing in our own nervous system as though it were us. And you know what? It is. And that's why it's so impactful. That's why radio is so impactful. Because these words are words that you yourselves have probably said to yourself or to your uh, loved ones or to your colleagues or friends. Uh, because there's a truth to them. And whether you have spoken them consciously or in a dream, we don't know. I had a dream this morning that was so potent that when I woke up, I was still so deeply ensconced in that dream. It was more real to me than waking up and pulling up the blinds. 
It was more real. And then, as my alpha state begins to shift into beta, then this outer dimension, as we call it, became more real. But tell me, please tell me, what is real? Is one real and not the other? Or does that depend on what I personally decide, choose to define as real? What I decide to make a living reality. And we can interpret the universe as friendly. You know, Albert Einstein's favorite question that he posed uh, as a seminal question for us all to reflect upon is, is the universe friendly? And if it is, we can greet it with a warm and open heart, with a warm, friendly handshake. And if we choose to say that it is not, then we would uh, contract and hide and have an entirely different attitude toward meeting new novel experience. You could say that we would be crawling back into our evolutionary shell, that we would be resorting back, regressing to uh, prominence of our reptilian brain, our brainstem, our first brain, which is fight, flight, freeze in its... uh, in its nature, and we will not have been activating our mammalian, which is a compassion, love-based brain, or the neocortex, which brings us into future, which brings us into adventure, that spills down energetically into our other big heart called a big brain, (laughs) I mean, called the heart, uh, which I have been saying over these airwaves and elsewhere, that is really a larger part of our electrical system, of our nervous system. I know we don't really think of it that way, but to be the, the king of its own circulatory system, and that's true too. But to uh, really, I think, more fully comprehend its role is its electrical role. And the nervous system, of course, is the king and our brain, the real emperor of our electrical body, the body electric. And then that reaches down into our other brain in our gut. Yes, you know, we do think with our gut all the time. And... uh You know, when you look at these three brains, the way Gurdjieff talked about, he called us three-brained beings. And when you take all of this into consideration, you see that we have awesome potential for really aligning our mind, our body, our hearts together and creating a unified field that really nothing can stop. And when we join our field with others, that's back to the community building, which is humanity's destiny. It's what's kept us alive all this time. It's what's going to help us overcome the current obstacles this time. I know it's tough. We look around at the world and we see such devastation. We see such poverty. We see 
we see a slavery of all types and sorts. We see racism. We see prejudice. We see, you know, the so-called 1% versus the 99. You know, we hear all of this. We see 18 million children in the United States of America, the richest country in the world, in what way, I would have to ask, financially, going to bed hungry nightly. What's wrong with this picture? A whole lot is wrong with this picture. We are not activating everything that we have to activate. And this call today, right now, here, on A Better World, and my interview just now with the wonderful visionary, Barbara Marks Hubbard, celebrating her 85th birthday, who has spent her lifetime, multiple decades, dedicated to this kind of conversation, to the awakening of humanity. Let it be said that what we're dealing with right now is but a momentary stumbling block when looked at in the view of a larger, higher history. We are emerging like the butterfly from the caterpillar into an entirely new species. Wild, huh? And it's happening. Because of the Internet, as Barbara was well putting it, quoting Mark Zuckerberg, everyone will have it, and it is a form of connectedness. Yes, there's a huge amount of commercialism and consumerism that takes place on the Internet. Some of it just wonderful and some of it highly excessive. We know that. We know that. And we know that we have to balance ourselves. We have to balance our own inner elements in order to reckon with the world in which we find ourselves and to shape the world the way we want it to be. That's our job, to shape it, to be in touch with our highest intelligence, a spirit intelligence, you could call it, call it. And with that, begin to internally start to shape a world we want to see outside of ourselves. Talk about mirrors. Well, if we have the notion that our brain and nervous system, let's talk about our brain just for a moment here, is a blank canvas, and we begin to populate it with the values, with the priorities, with the energies, with the emotions, love, excitement, compassion, play, novelty, imagination, humor, inspiration, those elements that we want to see show up in our lives, that begins to form new neuronal connections, more synapses, more dendrites reaching for each other to form deep, complex neural nets. And if we keep traveling those neural nets, they become stronger in their connectedness. And they connect to other parts, just like we will connect to other parts of our globe when more people actually do get online. That's happening internally. We are in fractal relationship 
with our quote-unquote outside world. The global brain, as Peter Russell called it. This is really pretty amazing stuff. And it can really shift your consciousness when you begin to contemplate that we are the creators. And I just outlined the way we actually do it. It's not just some kind of mystical, metaphysical mumbo-jumbo. As Joe Dispenza, who I clearly embrace as one of my wonderful mentors and teachers, uh, really lays it out that science is the contemporary language of mysticism and of, I'll say, the metaphysical. And when we see that, when we realize that our brain is our canvas and language and image are our paints and brushes, we really can create that world. And Richard Bandler said things of similar or uh, type in his many books, but one that's coming to mind right now is Using Your Brain for a Change, <laughs> with, of course, his incredible sense of humor, uh, inherent even in the title of his books. So uh, another one, of course, being Frogs into Princes. You know, This is the mythopoeic, if you will, aspect of our consciousness which we, each of us, can activate at choice, anytime. And if we live according to our creation, we are thereby commensurately freer from what was our prior creation, which is altogether too often based on a childhood that we have questions about, from early pain, sadness, suffering, um, drama, trauma, not to belittle any of those things. Those were all utterly organically part of the structure of our brains and bodies and provides a subjective dimension of our experience that is uh, truly a gift in helping us form a new future. We see things that we do not want to repeat. We see things that we want to change. We see things that uh, help us through, let's say, painful experience. Uh, want to shift into a higher level of being. The idea of bottoming out, for instance, is one of them. Uh, things that we want to avoid and things that we want to move proactively into and our brain is the place to do that we can detoxify and de-electrify de-valence shift the valence of those things that have preoccupied us for so long in perhaps somewhat of a neurotic pattern and uh, we can sort of like move out of that and move into a delightful loving creative, imaginative, sustainable, life-affirming space, both on the psycho-emotional levels and our experience of our own bodies, as well as the formation of outer structures that will, refl that will reflect this inner created reality. So on that note, 
I want to just say that uh, I love you all. I so appreciate your uh, coming to visit me here at A Better World. You understand how that name is itself a creation of a vision that I have wanted to see for a long time. And I truly believe that we all want to see and have always wanted to see a better world, which is another way of invoking our impulse toward evolution, toward a more humane humanity, if you will. And it's the place where we are all moving. Yes, some of us have remained in a little bit of Neanderthal clothing, and uh, we have to shed it in order to put on the gown of royalty. And that's where we're going, folks. It sounds nice, doesn't it? Well, we all have that in our future, and it's important to do the inner work in order to bring this about to manifest. So on that note, I just want to wish you all just the most glorious and beautiful holiday. Let's remember those who are less fortunate and send them love and compassion and understanding and commit ourselves to the creation of a better world in the short term and the long term by our generosity, by our kindness with one another and uh, creating more balance so we can let go of those ancient reptilian dinosaur-like functions and realize that we have hearts of gold and brilliant, brilliant potential to be as gods on this earth and to play that game, a newer game that people, by the way, have played historically many, many, many times. It's not all new. No, no, no. The indigenous others throughout our Western European history have been utterly people of love and spirit. It's not new, new. There have always been people who have been part of that creative divine spark, consciously. And now we are really looking to build a momentum and build a consensus around this new way of being where we will be free of the reliance on the dinosaur fuels we will be able to move into renewable energies in a society based on that, moving into new types of sacred architecture and geometry that will allow us to maximize our bodies, energies, our hearts, our minds. This is cool stuff, man. This is cool stuff. And we've got the understanding of ancient principles. We have the understanding um, the ability to create new technologies to support many of these ancient understandings. And we have the creative spirit and the playfulness and humor to turn our society into an utterly beautiful one. As my dear friend Dave Katzmeyer says, we are in a calorithmic cycle that compassion becomes the consensus of our society. The consensus, along with an intellectual cycle that allows us to brainstorm and to expand our hearts and our brain in our heart and a brain in our head and 
really create, well, to use the phrase, a better world. Please visit us at our website, abetterworld.tv. I do work with individuals, couples, and uh, groups as well as businesses. Then information for that is at mitchellrabin.com. Triple W, of course, MitchellRaven.com. We always appreciate your donations, especially around the holidays, but all year long, we do operate, honestly, on a shoestring budget, and any any kind of donation of any size, what's considered large, small, it all looks large to us, and we so appreciate it. The donation button is right there on our website, and Share your thoughts and feelings and comments with me here at mjr at abetterworld.net, mjr at abetterworld.net. Let me know how you enjoy the shows, whether you forward them to your friends and family, even your foes and adversaries. It's all fine because, as Reverend Jesse Jackson said, and I quote with some regularity, we all may have taken different boats here, but we're all in the same boat now. It's time that we learn to swim together and paddle together and really make this world of brothers and sisters a beautiful place for us all. Please also note that we have different offerings, such as Harmonic Energetic Balancing. is a brilliant uh, radionic-style form of healing and energy balancing through a holographic image of oneself called a photograph. And that service we offer for all of $600 a year. Uh, the other uh, so-called competitors are up to $1,000 a year. And not only is ours almost half of that, but we also uh, reduce it by $50 a year um, as people stay on it. And indeed, they stay on it for a number of years. We've had some people on for literally 15 years, getting the balancing, which is with them everywhere at all times. And it's just a subtle uh, kind of protection and balancing of organs, of thoughts, of feelings. So we maintain and sustain our lives relative to our larger morphogenetic field. Whether we're in the city or in the country, it does not matter. It's us. It's fractal, again, relationship of our photograph to our being. Yep. You got it, folks. We are in the future already. The future is here. <laughs> of course, we've been in the future for a long time here in a better world. And, of course, I also do individual consultations, both with biofeedback, counseling, stress management, uh, both, as I said, for businesses, uh, corporations, and individuals in personal relationship. Available at mjr at abetterworld.net or 212-420-0800. We stand squarely behind and roundly. (laughs) Can I stand squarely and roundly at the same time? You bet. And soundly behind uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard's invitation to participate in the creation of a new person and community and society 
within five years, 2020, and for us all to have by then, if not before, vision. That's also 2020. Appreciate you. Have a wonderful holiday, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.